You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. and every one of us thinks we know how Jesus should work. I mean, after all, I prayed today. I read eight Psalms. I spent an hour in the scriptures. I know what's going to happen today because it's going to be this way, that way, and that way. And then when it doesn't happen, you go, what happened? Jesus didn't meet your expectation. I got news for you. There's a word called sovereignty. God is sovereign. He has mercy on whom he has mercy. He has compassion on whom he has compassion. Who are we to question his ways? His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are not our thoughts. No matter what you claim, we all have expectations. What's dangerous is when we project those expectations onto a God who is beyond our understanding. Pastor Dave reminds us today that God doesn't work the same way your brain works. Don't put him in a box simply because you don't understand how he works. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Religious Box. Their tradition on the Sabbath said no one could do anything that resembled work. Get this. No one could do anything resembling work to the point that if you had a wooden leg, you couldn't wear it. If you had false teeth that were made out of wood, you couldn't put them in. That was considered work. When this tradition was broken, it outraged the religious leaders. They were outraged that this one tradition was broken. Now, like Tevye on the fiddle on the roof, they had traditions for everything. And these traditions come from the man-made interpretations of the commandments of God. There were 613 commandments of God. You can find them all in Exodus and Leviticus. 613 commandments of God. But then they decided that they were going to interpret these rules. They were going to interpret these things and tell you how you should live, how you should obey this. They had traditions that were developed concerning the Sabbath. They sought to interpret the Sabbath law. The law that had been given to Moses by God. And all it said was this. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall work or labor, and on the seventh you shall rest. Period. That's all it said. So they have decided that all these laws now were going to come into being. And they did this thing, and they made it into a book. It's called the Mishnah. The book is called a Mishnah. Now, are you ready for this? In the Mishnah, when it comes to the Sabbath day, there are 23 chapters that tell you what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath. 23 chapters on that one commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. 23 chapters. Talk about a religious box. The religious leaders of the time, they would interpret this and they would write it down. And the crazy thing about it is it continued to change. As new rabbis came in, they would add more laws. They would add more things. This interpretation. They decided what labor was. Our Calvary Chapel theologian, David Guzik, he explains it this way, quote, carrying a bed, which was actually his sleeping mat or his bedroll, 
was in fact a violation of the rabbi's interpretation of the commandment against doing work or business on the Sabbath. It was not breaking of God's law for the Sabbath, but it was breaking of the human interpretation of God's law. This is what they were questioning this man about. Hence, I give you the religious box. I give you what the religious box looked like, following man's traditions and not God's commands. The healed man was breaking a man-made law, a tradition that was put in place by their leaders, and they strictly enforced it. You could get death by breaking this law. They strictly enforced it. And that's what the religious box does. The interrogation continued in verses 11 and 12. He answered them, the man who was made well, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Well, this guy had been healed after 38 years, and the clergy wasn't happy. <laughs> In some sense, this happens all the time. When a church tradition is broken, there comes contention. There comes problems. There comes all sorts of things when we break a church tradition. How many of you are upset when you come in and somebody's sitting in your seat? I'll tell you right now, people get upset with that. When I look out, I can tell where you all sit. I know exactly where you're sitting. I can find you because I know where it is you're sitting. You have the prison wall over there. Those people always sit over there on that wall. Then we have the amen corner over here. I can tell who's sitting where. I know. I can look around. I can see who's sitting where. I know where. And when I want to find you, I just look that way. There you are. Tradition. Come on. You do it all the time. And woe be to anybody sitting in your seat, let me tell you something. But there's contention when tradition is broken. When somebody comes to us and goes, but we always did it that way. <laughs> we always did it that way. See, people get so in tuned and ingrained in their traditions, they think that it becomes holier than that. Oh, you're going to change the order of church? Oh, what will God think? God's not going to be happy. We're changing the order of church. Yeah, we're going to have the announcements after the first song instead of before. Oh, my God. <laughs> we get upset when Jesus doesn't work the way we want him to work. We get upset when Jesus doesn't do what we expect him to do. Every one of us has expectations, and every one of us thinks we know how Jesus should work. I mean, after all, I prayed today. I read eight Psalms. I spent an hour in the Scriptures. I know what's going to happen today because it's going to be this way, that way, and that way. And then when it doesn't happen, you go, what happened? Jesus didn't meet your expectations. I got news for you. There's a word called sovereignty. God is sovereign. He has mercy on whom he has mercy. He has compassion on whom he has compassion. Who are we to question his ways? His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But we do that. We contend with the Lord. I fasted. I prayed. And still this happened. We put expectations on our God. Just leaders didn't even care about the man who was healed. They didn't even care about his new freedom, being able to walk after 38 years. They weren't worshiping with him. They weren't praising God. They were too busy trying to find fault. They were too busy trying to find who's to blame. Why are you carrying your bed? Well, the guy who made me well said to carry it. Well, where is he and who is he? Let's get this guy. They wanted to know who told him to do this. And once again, they could care less about his hearing. They were focused on who broke the law. This is the epitome of the religious box. 
It's the epitome of the religious box, not focusing on God, but focusing on man and man's laws and man's rules and what man thinks. Not giving God the glory, majoring on the minor and not the major. It was the traditions of the Sabbath that Jesus deliberately challenged throughout his entire ministry. He deliberately went for this because he knew it was such a sore subject. Now, I love what Warren Wiersbe says, quote, The Pharisees had taken the Sabbath, which was God's gift to humanity, and transformed it into a prison house of regulations and restrictions. I love that, unquote. It continues this day, folks, because the religious box is a prison. If you find yourself caught in the religious box, it is a prison. It's a prison of self-made, man-made rules and regulations that usually don't even line up with God's word. Look at verse 13. But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. The man didn't know it was Jesus who healed him. Jesus went away. He didn't live. And let me take this aside, folks. Look around here. Jesus went to that pool of Bethesda for one person. He went down there for one person. One person. There was a multitude there. Jesus looked around and saw all these people, and he healed the one man, and he withdrew. He got away. Everyone didn't get healed. Everyone didn't get healed that day. To this man's credit, he did know where to give thanks for healing, because look at verse 14 and 15. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, now that you've been made well, sin no more, lest the worst thing happen, come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Jesus was concerned about this man. He had healed him, and now he was concerned about his spiritual well-being, which was what Jesus is always concerned about. Jesus always takes things to the spiritual. He leaves the physical behind and takes it to the spiritual. He did a physical healing only to point to the spiritual. This man went to the right place. He went to the temple to give glory to God for a healing. He went to the right place, and Jesus sought him out. Jesus looked for him. Had the man heard of Jesus? We don't know. But to this credit, this is where he goes to get healing. Jesus found him. I love that. I love that. This man was praising God, and Jesus found him. When you're praising God, Jesus will find you, especially when you're praising him in the midst of a dark time. When you're praising him in the midst of a horrible time, when you're praising him in the midst of a calamity, when you're praising him in the midst of an affliction, when you're praising him in the midst of a dark, dark hour, God will find you. He will be there with you. He will comfort you during that time as you praise him. You will get your mind off of the circumstances that are befalling you, and you will get them on what is mattered most, and that's God, Jesus Christ. When we fix our mind on him, Everything else seems to fade away, and nothing else seems to matter. Jesus will meet you there in the midst of the storm. You will feel his tender touch, and you will be comforted. You will know that he's there. Sometimes we don't feel his presence. Have you ever gone around going, Lord, where are you? Lord, where are you? And once again, I go back, so if you're in the religious box, or if you've placed yourself in the religious box, you'll say something like, Lord, I read your word today. Where are you? Lord, I even witnessed to somebody today, where are you? Well, if you are asking that question, and I've asked that question sometimes, you need to remember that Jesus said, I will never leave nor forsake you. I am always with you, even to the end of the age. I will always be there. My presence is with you always. 
He knew that we would misplace him. He knew that we wouldn't be able to find him. So he said, okay, I'm going to make it really easy for you humans. Here's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put him inside you and now lose that. He's given us his presence right inside us. He's there. Always. Never will leave nor forsake. Going through a hard time. Going through a difficulty in life. Praise him. Praise him in the midst of the difficulty. Praise him in the midst of the storm. Praise him when you don't feel like praising him. Praise him with tears and running down your eyes. Praise him. Praise him. Many think that this man's affliction was brought about by sin because Jesus said, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. But Jesus clearly told the man not to sin. And when I look at this, I think of the woman caught in adultery, which we'll look at in when we get to chapter 8. He said the same thing to her. Women, where are your accuser? She says, I don't see none. She says, neither do I. Condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and see them more. What was he telling them? What was he telling this man? He was telling the same thing that I'm telling you today. Go and walk in the newness of Jesus Christ. Go and walk in the new man. Go and walk in the oneness that you have with Christ. Walk circumspectly. Walk boldly into what he has given you and walk with him. Walk in the newness that he's given you, the new man. Put on the new man. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Everything's gone away and behold, everything is new. He says, do this, do this. Living a life of sin is far worse than being crippled. Far worse being crippled. Well, why? Well, because the wages of sin is death and permanent separation from God. So Jesus said, don't sin anymore. Living a life of sin is far worse, far worse. The fact that the man reported Jesus to the authorities showed just how intimidated he was by the religious leaders. And this is what the religious box people do. They intimidate you. They make you feel less. They make you feel unworthy. They make you feel not good enough. The religious people love to put you down and tell you what's lacking in your life. And it's intimidating. It's intimidating. Those who make the rules, those who live in the religious box, they want to pull you into the religious box and they want to intimidate you. But we have a Sabbath rest. The entire idea of a Sabbath was rest. If you look at the book of Hebrews, it tells us that the Sabbath day rest was given to us as a picture of Christ. And the rest we have from our works of salvation. We rest in Jesus Christ, the rest towards salvation. It's a day of rest. The religious leaders made it into a day of bondage. And even to this day, let me tell you some of the things that you're not allowed to do in Israel on the Sabbath day. You're not allowed to write. That's work. If you make a mistake, you can't erase. That's work. You can't tear anything. You can't do any business transactions. You can't ride in a car. You can't drive a car. You can't go shopping. Sorry, hon. You can't use the telephone. Now listen to this. You cannot use the telephone. And there's a story that goes around that says that these people were in a complex and they were looking out. And the house across the street caught on fire. And it was raging. And they didn't know if anybody was in it or not. And they argued with each other whether who could call the phone and who could break the Sabbath. And the house burnt down. Because they're not allowed to use a telephone. Go in Israel and go into a high rise on the Sabbath day. And if you get in the elevator, all the buttons are pushed. So it stops at every floor. Why? Because they believe pushing a button is work. 
Or they'll go in there and you'll know which ones are the Gentiles because they're pushing the buttons. <laughs> Turning anything on or off, electricity, lights, radios, television, computer, air conditioner, alarm clocks, no baking, no cooking, no kindling of fire, no gardening, no grass mowing, no doing laundry. This is all against the law. The Hebrew law, the Mishnah. The religious box is a place of bondage. It's a place of bondage. Why? Because the religious box focuses on the external, not the internal. The religious box focuses on the outward, not the inward. It focuses on the temporal, not the eternal. The religious box focuses on your performance. How well did you do today? The religious box focuses on your performance. The religious box tells you you're not good enough. You need to move more to earn God's favor. The religious box is a striving box. It's almost like you're on a treadmill trying to get closer to God. You never seem to get closer because you can't do enough. We place others in the religious box by putting expectations on them, by putting demands on them that they can't possibly meet. The religious box focuses on what you should do for God rather than what God has already done for you. We place ourselves in the religious box in certain areas. I'm sure there's certain areas of your life that maybe you've placed yourself in a religious box about. For my parents, who weren't raised Catholic, I wasn't raised Catholic, we didn't have the no meat on Friday until Good Friday, and then they wouldn't eat meat. Good Friday only. I never understood that. But that's a religious box. They made me take care of it. We have to be careful with our traditions. Because traditions will substitute for the word of God. Traditions will substitute for serving God, and traditions will actually substitute for loving God. I'm following the tradition. I'm following it. It makes me wonder, why do we attend church on Sunday? If we're honest, some of us attend it out of tradition, not wanting to hear from God. It's interesting how many traditions we have. I'm sure every single one of you in this room have traditions that you follow at Christmas time. You all have different things that you do, and these are traditions that have been built up over the years. And woe to anybody who breaks one of your traditions. Don't do that out of, out of order, because it has to be done this way. It amazes me how ingrained these traditions can be in a person's life. And I think one of the hardest things to get rid of in our lives are traditions. They're hard to get rid of. I don't think my mother spoke to me for a month and a half when I stopped coming to her Easter brunch. It was a tradition. The family gathered at Easter brunch, and I started doing ministry, and I was busy on Sunday. She got mad at me. It's hard to shake ourselves from tradition. And unfortunately, sadly, the church has fallen into the traditional rut, the religious box. And not just the denominations, folks. Not just the denominations. All churches are falling into the religious box. It's interesting that church tradition has its root in Babylonian mystery. And when Martin Luther broke away from the Catholic Church during the Reformation, he took some of that stuff with him. And he now comes into the church today. And what's even more interesting, that if you look at the church of Sardis in chapter 3 of the book of Revelation, you look at the church of Sardis, many, many, many scholars believe the church of Sardis is an example of the Protestant Reformation. He says, you have a name, but you're dead. I have not found your work complete before God. 
You still have a lot of these trappings that belong to the mystery Babylon religion that have no place in the body of Christ. Religious traditions are hard to shake off. They're hard to get rid of. They're so deeply ingrained. We have a name. We're Christian. But are you dead? Are you dead because of a tradition? Are you dead because you're following after man's laws and not God's law? And this war between the religious leaders and Jesus will begin and grow and grow and grow. We're going to read about it for a lot of times. Tensions were high because Jesus had violated one of their biggest traditions. And now they sought to destroy him. Turning your back on Jesus. Some of us have because he hasn't met our expectations. These things are written as a warning to us. Jesus is God. He is our Lord. I'm not Lord of my life. He is Lord of my life. He can sovereignly touch me whenever he wants to. He can tell me to take up my bed, rise up and walk. If I try to place him in the religious box and expect him to act in a certain way, I'm going to be so sorrowful. He will not do that. Why? God wants to share his heart with you today. He wants to share his heart with you. He wants you two to be entwined together. He wants your heart to be molded as one. He wants you to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. He wants you to look at him as Lord and God. And yes, we are his servants. He is not our servant. We are his servants. We serve a living God. We need to be careful when we start demanding from him, expecting him to work because we did this or we did that. We have to be careful when we direct him. We need to allow him to be Jesus. What? Yeah, we need to allow Jesus to be Jesus. We can't expect him to be who we make him out to be. We need to be like the centurion. I'm sure you remember the centurion. We'll study him here in a while. The centurion went to Jesus and said, okay, Jesus, here's the situation. You don't have to come with me. I know if you just say the word, my son will be healed. We need to be like that. Just say the word. Just say the word, Lord. Whatever you want to make happen, just say the word. We must never let the traditions of men replace the word of God in our lives. Are you caught in the religious box today? You might be. We need to examine ourselves. We need to look within ourselves. Maybe there's some parts of our lives that we've placed in the religious box. Maybe there's some parts of our lives that we're still living in legalism and things like that. It's time to jettison, folks. It's time to get rid of them. It's time to lay them at the foot of the cross and move on. It's time to rid yourself of these things. It's time to experience the freedom that only comes from knowing Jesus Christ on a personal level. You don't need a religion. You need a relationship. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ who loved you so much that went to a cruel Roman cross, hung there, bled, and died for your salvation, for your sins. You need to know him, and you can experience this knowledge of him. You can experience him in your life. You need to know him today. You need to know this grace that comes through him, that flows toward him, the freedom that was secured for you and me on the cross. We need to know that, and we need to walk in that freedom and know that we're not in bondage anymore. We're not in bondage anymore. You are our time with you is coming to an end today on Assure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at AssureHopeRadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.